welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. And today, it's a, kind of a special Economics Happy Hour for us recording. It's our first one ever in the AM hours. <laughs> as we're both traveling, I'm in the midst of traveling, and it's easy to do this from a hotel in the morning, and Jadrian's about to travel. So I will ask, what is your morning drink today, Jadrian? I do have a morning drink. I, I did not... Uh... I actually went out and purchased this because I so actually I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you a backstory before I get to this. Um, one of our listeners commented and said, "Oh, it looks like you broke your Virginia beer streak," and I was so confused because we record them so far. We, we record yep. them a couple of weeks in advance, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I know I know which episodes you're on now." Uh, so I actually went out and I went to a special beer store that's on the other side of town that sells like bot like individual bottles um so i usually go to kroger and buy it out of the the fridge section but i actually yeah. do have i have a pack for our next few interviews of just virginia based beer so i'm ready nice. uh, but we switched this to the morning and i told i told matt i'd have a beer mosa and then as i was prepping i was like you know, i really do not want a beer at, at seven o'clock in the morning um so I got my favorite coffee. I'll show you my coffee mugs, a little same Houston coffee mug. Uh, I have hot coffee and my addition of choice. Um, I had this. I don't know if you've had this or not. You're a Delta person, right? You fly on Delta? I have, but I, okay. I wouldn't. I'm not a Delta person. Are you an American? Yeah. What's your What's your airline of choice? I actually don't really have one. The closest I'd have is probably Southwest. Okay. Maybe we should do an episode on frequent flyers and, and yeah, clubs. Sure. And there's a ton of econ in that. Um, so I, I'm a big Delta person. And since I have the credit card, I get to fly in comfort uh, and you get a free, you always get a free drink, even in comfort. Um, Delta switched their coffee liqueur away. I think it used to be Kahlua. Now they use Buffalo trace distilleries has a, their version of Kahlua. It's a bourbon cream. Uh, okay. so it is, it has a nice little touch to it. Uh, but it's basically, it's a coffee liqueur. Okay. It's, it says you could pour it over ice cream, but I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, this morning, I am simply doing a Coke Zero. There's there nothing added except the uh, <laughs> the the caffeine. So. Well, Matt has big plans today. So let's talk. Uh, we talked about me last time. Let's talk about. Let's start with you today. Uh, you are you comfortable sharing these plans or these? Um, I think so. Uh, yeah, we're on. We're doing uh, college tours. So. Uh, the beginning of the college tour process. I won't say too much here, but um, <laughs> checked out Ithaca yesterday and going to Syracuse today. And this is so, your second round of college inter college tours. Third, right? third, third round, oh. third round. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So we've uh, we have two in college right now, and so this is round three. But I I love the college. Like you, yeah. I wouldn't say I collect college visits or anything, but it's fun to visit a new campus, and the tours are. You know, you get to see different things. And as a business school dean, I was, I've actually learned stuff that I brought back to, yeah. to our school. For anybody who's been in Applebaum Hall, there's two TV screens as you enter on one side. I went to, actually, and it was, um, I think it was Ithaca many years ago, and they had three screens set up showing different things at the same time. And I was like, wow, that looks really good. And we decided not for three, but two bigger ones. And and every now and then you'll see something and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool how they do this thing. So Man, I was um, I was prepping questions for you and you answered each one. 
you're you're a good you're either a good dean or a good teacher because i'm sitting here going you're he's doing tours i'm gonna ask him uh if he likes doing this as a dean and then you answer yeah, yeah. and then you start doing i go okay now i'm gonna ask him if he's ever brought anything back to susquehanna and then you did i'm a bad interviewee is what it is so uh, oh no that's so great no, you I, yeah, you no, answered all my questions it's fun and so i had been to ithaca before i've never been to syracuse so mm -hmm. that'll be a new adventure here in about an hour and a half checking out and it's a it's a very different campus which is yeah you know good to think through as you you know mm -hmm. if you're approaching college is it you want to go to a bigger school smaller school it's and... in an interesting part of syracuse because it's campus wise i mean it, it feels like a college campus it feels very traditional campusy um i know that that's not super helpful to viewers um, it feels like a college campus, um, but then like you're just a couple streets and you're like in Syracuse. Like it's, yeah, um, it's, it's much more, I don't want to say urban because it's not like in downtown Syracuse, but it's, it loses its college feel very quickly once you sort of step off campus. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's the I, I'm in the downtown, it. I'm in the downtown area now, which is a mm -hmm. cool little downtown area. Yeah. And I can't, I can't tell you how college okay. it feels. I'll tell you in two hours, but it's, <laughs> All right, text, but no, it's text, pretty exciting. Text and, me uh, and, and I know, Jadrian, you've got a baseball tour coming up. I am, I'm trying to, I'm trying to eke out as many of these little, uh, I don't want to call them leftover stadiums, but they are <laughs> places that for whatever reason I skipped. Um, when I lived in Pennsylvania, man, I hit almost everything. Like, so this is actually, um, this is super pedantic. So my stadium tours are football stadiums. So I like college football, NFL, CFL. When it comes to college football, I only do division one. I, I can't, there's already like 130 division one teams. Like I can't, I can't tack on division two. So it's NFL division one college football. Uh, actually, so no, there's, as I said, there's 130 that there's, there's 130 in FBS. I do both FBS and FCS. So there's like 250 teams. Um, Baseball stadiums, professional and minor league. I don't do college. It's the same sort of issue. There's already like a hundred minor league baseball teams. Uh, and then I'll do soccer of any sort of professional level because there's not that many. Um, so stadium wise in Pennsylvania, I've done every single NFL, division one football, baseball, uh, well, minor league baseball, soccer. I've missed one major league baseball stadium and Pennsylvania. So that's not on this list. Maybe it is. Maybe I'll surprise myself. Um, and then like in, so I've, I've done almost all of Delaware. I've done all of Delaware. I've done almost all of Maryland. I'm missing like one team in Maryland and Virginia. I've done all of Virginia. I'm missing two teams in Virginia. Like I'm very close. So I'm trying to fill in some of this. Yeah. So no, very cool. Um, very cool. So you might cool. see some posts. Well, I guess if you're listening to this, you'll You'll have seen posts and you'll posts. wonder why I'm at this random stadium and there's only one post and yeah. not like people who follow me end up seeing like here's six stadiums that I go to. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, very cool. Very cool. And I like, um, you know, sports, major form of entertainment today. Yeah. Last time we spoke about books as a form of entertainment, what uh, some books could teach about economics today. It's we're going to talk about movies and each of us discussing one movie that we think is both entertaining and has a lot of economics content uh what what movie 
what movie do you want to highlight today? Well, for, given for that sure? I, you just heard me rant about sports, I'm going to stick with the sports and um, economics combination, which I don't know, in a, in a sense, I feel like I'm almost taking a cop out that it's, it's such an easy choice. Yeah. Um, but I am going to go with Moneyball. Billy, we got 38 home runs and 120 RBIs. Guys, we're still trying to replace Giambi. I told you we can't do it. And we can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Jombie's on base percentage was 477. Damon's on base, 324. And Almeida's was 291. Add that up and you get. Do you want me to speak? What up, one of you yet? 1092. Divided by three. Three sixty-four. That's what we're looking for. Three ball players. Three ball players whose average OBP is three sixty-four. Wait a minute. That doesn't look right. Doesn't come out right. That's right, Artie. Billy, you got to carry the one. Billy, that's just him. Yeah. Who's that? That's Pete. Does Pete really need to be here? Yes, he does. Okay. Here's who we want. Number one, Jason's little brother, Jeremy. Oh, oh. Billy, that's trouble. Uh, Billy, look, if, if I, yeah, Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field, and we know that what he can't do on the field. And, he's getting uh, a little thicker on the waist. Yeah. You know, and his reports about him on the weed and the strip clubs. Well, his on-base percentage is all we're looking at now. And Jeremy gets on base an awful lot for a guy who only costs 285000 Jeez, Billy. Number two. David Justice. Oh, no. Not a good idea, Billy. Old man Justice? Why is that? Steinbrenner is so pissed at his decline that he's willing to eat a big chunk of his contract just to get rid of him. Anybody exactly. Ten years ago, David Justice, big name. Been a lot of big games. He's going to really help our season tickets early in the year, but we get in the dog days in July and August. He's lucky if he's going to hit his weight. Billy, his, his legs yes. are gone. Billy. Uh, He's a defensive liability, and I question whether the bat speed's still there. His legs are gone. Grady. We'll be lucky to get 60 games out of him. Why do you like him? Because he gets on base. Uh, for a couple different reasons. So I really like I like the story, but I also like the economics. Um, so those of you who have never seen Moneyball, which I think, you know, I laugh. A, sometimes I say those sorts of things, like even to my class, and I laugh a little bit. And I'm like, how have you not seen Moneyball? a lot of my students haven't seen Moneyball. Um, it, it is, yeah. I don't want to say it's older. Uh, Moneyball came out in 2011. So it is over a decade old. So um, I teach a sports economics course and I have a Moneyball project in there, which I could talk about a little bit about too. Um, and I was presenting it to my students and even like the speakers were coming and every speaker I would come would talk about, yeah, this is the Moneyball of soccer. We're doing the Moneyball of base. And they kept saying Moneyball, Moneyball, Moneyball. And I think for older academics moneyball makes we know what moneyball is because like yeah. we sort of we sort of lived through the actual like experience of the oakland days doing it and then we saw the movie which was so big and you know i'm just now realizing that my students um were like eight when this movie yeah, came out yeah. like they they don't remember this they probably didn't watch it uh so moneyball is a book and a i'm actually surprised we didn't talk about that as a book last time uh, it is a book and a movie uh, about the Oakland A's 
and they're sort of revel. Well, I should say the Oakland days and Billy Bean, their general manager, yep. their transformation of the club of a small team that doesn't pay very much money to competing with the New York Yankees. So it's got this nice, like David versus Goliath type story. Uh, but from the economic side of things, I really like it because it talks about this idea of like, what is a valuable player? And so like, I think there's a lot of really nice parallels to just like labor markets in general, which for better or worse companies since that time have done. So you'll, you'll yeah. often see the money ball of airlines, the money ball of finance. Um, but essentially like, what does it mean to be a productive player? What does it mean to be a productive worker? And so you get to really sort of dig deep into uh, marginal productivity, marginal revenue product, um, it's got some late, some nice labor related stuff. So Matt, you've seen the movie, right? I, I, yep. I actually probably should. Oh man, I should have asked, should have started with that. Yeah, I know. know absolutely. Movie. Yeah. I've seen the movie. Oh, a couple times. Have it on. Yeah. No, great movie. Fantastic. Okay, I, th- I thought you shook your head. No, you've never seen it. Oh no, 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 okay. no. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I have seen it. I have seen it. Um, no, fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. And, and I agree with you completely. It's um, really interesting you know and i mean it's the movie part i'm sure it sensationalizes a little bit but the idea of um it gets at so much in there it gets at uh, you know the little bit of there's a little bit of discrimination the one pitcher mm-hmm. is discussed i could get a minimum funny. contract despite that he throws funny yeah um the idea of how good are the experts yeah um at various things and there are many fields where experts won't do as well um, and in here, you know, they're making fun of the experts versus just looking at this one particular metric. Uh, so one of my favorite parts, there's actually, this is, so Matt and I are very big, like pop culture. How can you use it in the classroom? It is very easy to find principles of economics topics. It just, I mean, we can find a, dem- here's an example of demand, <laughs> like, yeah, we yeah. can find that almost easily. So as a, as a, I don't want to say connoisseur, as a purveyor of pop culture and econ, I'm going to speak for Matt here. And I think, I, I think I'm safe in saying this. When we see a topic that is not covered in anything else, we geek out harder than anything. Like if I can find <laughs> an example of like risk sharing, like if it's, if yeah. it's like one small example. Um, Moneyball has an example of constrained optimization uh, that is very, very good. So Billy B, right? So the Oakland days don't pay very much money. Billy Bean goes to the owner and says, hey, man, I need more money. And he goes, we're not going to give you more money. Uh, you need to you need to make decisions and be successful and and you know reach your objectives given the budget that you have. And like they, yeah. he says it exactly yeah. like that sort of way. Um, and so it's like this really neat example of like, you, know, you have these, especially so, especially when it comes to sports, they have this combination of they want to win, but they also need to be, they can't lose money or they can't lose too much money, right? They they yeah, need yeah. to have some profit. So they're not profit maximizers. They're not win maximizers. There's this trade-off of, of things that they want. Uh, but Billy Bean is told like, you can only have this amount of money. So I love it because like I have no other clips of constrained optimization. That's a good, that's a really good point. I hadn't, necessarily thought about that and so constrained optimization for the non-economists watching right we spend a lot of time on the idea of how do you maximize utility subject to the fact that you have a budget constraint Mm -hmm. and you could sort out there are optimal decisions that could be made and uh 
the, you know, for firms, you could try to minimize costs at a production level. So you have a constraint that you have to hit a, hit a certain level of production, but you have to, uh, or getting to that production level, then how do you minimize the cost for a predict, uh, particular production level? And yeah, as grad students, we, sp- we spend a lot of time on the analytics of that. Yeah. It, absolutely fantastic scene where he's going ahead and trading players and shifting mm-hmm. salaries to other teams. Yeah. Uh, Really, and, and, and it all comes down for him. It was already like get on bait. Like they they identify like a metric yeah. successful. Um, yeah, it was interesting because like I, so I used it in my sports econ class. Um, I yep. didn't have them. I I will say I made a mistake. I I did not have them watch it. Um, when I taught sports econ for the very first time a decade ago, we watched it in class together. Um, we had a movie night. It's like two hours. Like we canceled yep. class on on two days, and we had like Wednesday night movie night. Um, Cause is, I think it's a two hour movie. And this time around, I, it's been 10 years since I've taught it. And I, I decided not to like schedule it out because I just assumed everybody had seen it. Like I just, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to show it in class. Like it's not new. Um, and then, so I assigned a Moneyball project. So we could talk a little bit about that. Cause it is a, it's a fun project for the students. Um, I assigned a Moneyball project and they have to write a paper and like multiple people like in their paper talked about how they had never seen Moneyball and it was neat. They've heard of it, but they've never seen it. And so it was neat yeah. to be able to get to do what they did. And they talked about how like they went and watched the movie after yeah. doing the project. And I'm sitting there going, you've never seen this movie. <laughs> like, what? I feel like I've done a disservice. Um, so the Moneyball project that I have them do, it's a great project. Um, so it, if you're any sort of a, a teacher at any I don't want to say any level because, you know, if you're teaching like middle school economics, maybe, maybe this isn't for you, but like at least high school economics and up, um, if you want a fun project and I have heard, and this is for our high school teachers out there who are listening, um, after you do your testing. So this is, listen, I'm not a high school teacher. So if I say this wrong, I apologize now, but my understanding is after you're done with your testing, there's this weird, awkward period where you don't have things to do because like you still have school, but testing's over. If you need a cool project, this Moneyball project, completely open source, everything's online. Um, Basically what you have students do is you have them operate as Billy Bean and they have to pick players. And so there's like full on instructions that you can give the students. They collect data about their performance. You collect data about the teams, ticket prices, attendance. And so the idea is, they're doing the Moneyball project. I have to pick players to help me win to then generate money because like, right, if they win, then they sell more tickets, things like that. Um, But what's neat is at the very end, there's a simulator that we've put together fully online. You don't have to download anything. Uh, The, the, your students, I have to be careful not to call them players. Uh, The students in the class act as GMs and they can draft players. So they say like, I'll take player 12. Uh, And so it's a matter of how much information you want to give them. Like I, I delete the names. I only give them the player numbers and the statistics and the salary. And so they have to pick players and then it simulates a season. You can figure out like who the Moneyball champion is and stuff. It's a great, it is a ton of fun. Um, I assigned cool. it in my sports econ class, but I've done it in my labor econ class. Uh, Dusty, my co-author, he's assigned it in his principles course. Uh, so you can do it. You really can do it at all levels. It's, we've tried to set it up where you don't need intimate baseball knowledge yeah. about it. So moneyballsimulator.info, I believe is that website. Um, and all the instructions are online. Like we post everything online, but it's a tough yeah, one. Very cool. One, uh, a final thing I'll mention on 
Moneyball that I think is interesting, and I don't know that there'll be any way to prove this, but I think Moneyball, the movie, because it, you know, it's a movie, it's popular, mm -hmm. and all sorts of people see it and understand it, helped accelerate the use of analytics, analytics. in yeah. sports and accelerate the use of analytics for the viewing audience. So I was, you know, I was watching golf, uh, you know, I was watching the um, US Open. And if there's a 15 foot putt coming up, they'll mention the probability of making yeah. the putt on there. Like those are the, those things didn't used to be yeah. put on the screen. And I think a lot, I think these things have been accelerated a lot um, in part because Moneyball made a lot of people understand, oh, the, there's a huge aspect of analytics. That is a great observation. Yeah. I, I never, I wonder, yeah. I, I wonder if there's some way to actually like, I wonder if there's some way to do that like in news, like old newspaper articles, right? Like if you pull down a, a newspaper corpus and did like text analysis of like statistics discussions in sports sections. Um, so yeah, right. Like this is the thing that I think is super weird, super, I don't want to say weird, interesting probably is that sports has always been a very statistics heavy event, right? People are constantly like, whether regardless of the sport, right? Like in basketball, they're talking about free throw percentages and, yeah, yeah. and three point shots and football, it's your passing accuracy. And like, even they had like quarterback ratings, like there's always been numbers behind it, but what makes the Moneyball story so interesting is essentially they were the, the people who'd been doing it for had doing it for decades. And finally it trickled its way up to major league baseball. And they were like, yeah, maybe we're not looking at the right data. We're just looking at the sure. wrong statistics and we care about the wrong things. And so there's an argument that is So I've, I've seen a couple of these arguments before is that focusing on Moneyball stuff is, is not worth it anymore because the Oakland days have, have done it proven that it works. And now every other team already does it. Every team has analytics. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like you lose your edge really fast. Yeah, no, I would, I would think so. Right. And once you discover some new invention that works, everybody's going to copy it. Yeah. Yeah. The efficiencies there are, but economists would say there's no, you know, we say no barriers to entry, but I guess there's no, it's not really entry, but no barriers to using. So, so well, it's a great movie. I don't know. Probably. We probably should have checked to see if this is streaming anywhere. Um, I'll see if I can find it real fast if, as I'm. Yeah. Doing. So I mean, you can watch it on Amazon. Yeah, or, I mean, you well, can, actually, no, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong. I think you can rent it. For, I think I own it off of Google, uh, like Google Play. I think I bought it. Sure. I'm gonna guess I probably bought it ten years ago, and it's still in my Google Play account. Um, every yeah. now and then, it does pop up on Netflix. Like I, I have seen it. Uh, I have seen it on Netflix. Uh, at least a quick Google search as of June 28th, 2023. Uh, it looks like you can rent it from a bunch of places: YouTube, Apple TV, Amazon. Uh, if you have Hulu premium subscription, uh, you can watch it there. Or if you have Amazon Prime premium subscription, you can watch it there. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's four bucks to rent it. Um, if you've never seen it, definitely worth four bucks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. Uh, well, I can I can share mine. I, I, I wouldn't call it, this is a movie I love. I wouldn't call it like one of my top 10 movies of all time or anything okay. like that. And I think there's, a couple things in economics it does really well, and one thing it does really, really poorly. And this what this is the Big Short. Okay. So have I you have seen never? The big I will short? let me let me say I have never seen the Big Short. So this will okay. be. Okay. I know of the Big Short. I've yep. read the Big Short. This is also another book turned movie. 
I have it read is. the big short. I so told, this is also by Michael Lewis. We both yeah, picked yeah. Michael Lewis no, stories. He, 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 picks, uh, he picks good stories. Picks books that end up doing well. So <laughs> what, what I think is fantastic about this is the, the idea of explaining, explaining how some markets can operate and how, how financial markets can operate and understanding a little bit about what it means to short. I mean, they, they go through the details of this, but the ideas of what it is, I mean, okay, buying a stock, I think most people understand, oh yeah, I have a piece of the company. It could go up in value. It could go down in value. Uh, shorting a stock, and there's a, num- a number of ways, you're betting it will fall. If, and if you, you basically are buying an option, uh, so if you are shorting a stock, you are buying an option to sell the stock at a preset price that usually is lower than what it is now. It will be worthless if the stock doesn't fall. So you're paying the small amount. But if, if the stock falls considerably, you can make a ton of money. And so the other person's um, essentially collecting a little bit of money, assuming it won't fall too much. And there's, there's ways you could incorporate... Um, you know, if it's in stocks, this is often a put option. Uh, you could incorporate that into a strategy that's risky, or there's a way you could really incorporate it where it's it's somewhat safe or you know, um, somewhat conservative. And that's that's a full different episode on how to incorporate options into things. And I will say need, we need to we need to invite a guest if we're having that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's not a financial us. person. Um, but but it does a really nice job, I think, of explaining. Um, explaining that you know the idea of that i also think it does a great job i mean talking about things being 15 years ago 2008 is now 15 years ago and so you know for students i was teaching as we were going through this right and family members you know students might be laid off but now i mean students if you get a an incoming college uh, freshman was three mm-hmm. and a senior was seven like their memory of this will be barely anything. Uh, This movie really does a nice job of going through the idea that we went through, you know, of the financial crisis and a bit of what was caused by it. And on top of that, right. I mean, you've got uh, actors actually, you you know, mentioned Michael Lewis, uh, both of these have Brad Pitt in them too. (laughs) So another thing that's in common, uh, Jeremy Strong, plays a side role. He was the lead actor in Secession or one of the mm-hmm. lead actors in Secession. Um, Steve, Steve Car- uh, Carroll or Carell is in it. I'm sorry, from, from the office. Um, it's so that part's good. Those two things I think are fantastic and it's really entertaining. So what I inter- think- let me, let me interrupt you for, I'm, I just found this. I want to make sure I, I squeeze this in. As yeah. you said, entertaining, this is a good chance to squeeze this part in. What genre would you call this movie? Like if you had to, Fit a genre. I'm gonna tell you what what Google says this genre. Well, is. I ha- I had Google open to see the actors, oh, so it's so probably saw it. spoiling. Yeah, I saw what it is, but okay. for the audience, it says drama, comedy, drama. Oh, that's not what mine says. Mine says financial oh. financial thriller. Hmm. Which I I'm I'm looking at the book probably actually. I never. I'm looking at the book. The yeah. book is listed yeah. as a financial thriller. So let me add a little adjective to to Matt's praise of the book so what do you dislike about the book what what part is what part bothers you so and i can't speak as much about the book but for the movie sorry the movie um i think it does a couple things um what one key thing that i think it does wrong 
is it portrays the people who guessed the short ride as geniuses mm-hmm. and it portrays it like everybody should have seen this mm-hmm. coming and i think that's so wildly inaccurate you know that's i would that, say that's true for moneyball i let's, yeah. let's draw a parallel here that is the same story of moneyball it is a how are you an idiot for not seeing this it's so obvious that you're wrong like no that's I, that's a cool observation yeah so and they, I mean, they just hammer against, okay, the establishment screws this up and doesn't see this. And yeah, we knew prices were accelerating, but a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of discussion. Can you see a bubble coming? And they're like, of course you could see a bubble coming. It's right there. And I've seen these underlying analytics and, you know, in hindsight, it looks like, oh yeah, of course we should have all seen that this was coming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of the same people said we were in a stock market bubble in 2016. And what ended up happening, right? We, you know, many, many years of growth, many, many years of growth in where the stock market mm-hmm. was, or real estate values are too high again in 2017. And then, you know, it keeps going up a few percent each year. Yeah. And it, they're not as easy to observe as people think. That's what, that's one part of it. It's, it's about observing the bubble and that anybody should have seen it coming. And the other that I think it gives the false impression that people generally can be smarter than the market, mm-hmm. which in some ways is a bit of a dangerous thing beyond just this one example. Most financial experts don't just beat you know, an S&P 500. They say actively traded stock funds on average do worse than just putting your money into um, you know, a tracking fund of the S&P 500 or the whatever the, you know, basket of 2000 stocks and you just kind of leave it there. You've helped me and, with my pop culture clip. So I'm, I'm pulling it up so I can get cool. ready to tell you about it later. So the idea of um, that idea, I actually think is a little bit, it's, it's really wrong. And it's, it's mm-hmm. to the extent that it encourages kids to think, oh, I can be so much smarter than everybody. And I can, I can gamble on this. And retirement yeah. shouldn't be a gamble. You know, but, but that's so interesting. Like hearing you say that. So any of you who have seen Moneyball, you literally just went through the Moneyball story, right? Don't trust the established scouts. They don't know what they're doing. This is a revolution. Yeah. You need to gamble on me and this. Like it, it is the, I yeah. never actually realized that these are the same story. And I don't know if this is a I Michael think- Lewis thing. Maybe, right. Those are the. I mean, I, I mean he's, be he's been thing. tagged with yeah. the with the crypto guy, right? Like, yeah. Maybe that's why these are both just two really good movies. Is that like it's the same story? You should be able to see this in hindsight. Look what's happened, and we hear these stories of like this is the next Moneyball of blank. Sure, um, sure. Where and so I wonder if it's that same sort of prediction. That's interesting. I'm going to have to think about this throughout yeah. the day that I had not realized. That's a good, I, I hadn't made the connections between the two until you mentioned it. Yeah, I think, but you should watch it. I'd recommend, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's good viewing. It's, it, it is an entertaining, definitely an entertaining movie. Great acting, yeah. um, learn a few things, but there's some things that are concerned about. So, so I, I know we, yeah, oh, I would say I, when you mentioned the, you know, we should have seen it coming part. Um, I had a, a nice flashback. I graduated my with my undergraduate degree in business, right? So I was a business major, ma- uh, management and economics major. I graduated in 2009. Um, okay. and so I can tell you, and I don't, maybe this is a difference from a college perspective versus right. You're, you were, you were not in 
you were in grad school uh, then, right? No, I was I was out. I'd been up for a while. When did you I, get your PhD? I, I graduated '98 for undergrad, PhD in 2002. So. Okay. Um, one day I'm going to learn how old you are. Oh, happy birthday! By the way. <laughs> I probably should have told you oh, that. Thank you. Thank for you. those of you listening later, Matt's birthday was weeks ago. You've already missed it. It's too late. Don't tell him happy yes, birthday. That is true. That is You're true. Weeks late. Um, so I'll, I'll say it is this way. I don't know. As an, I'll call you a full adult, even though I was an adult too. I I didn't know what was going on. Like I I was oblivious. Um, I mean, I'm graduating in 2009. I didn't understand why aren't their job, why aren't companies in offering. There's like three internships that I could have applied for. I was like, I'm right outside of Houston. Um, yeah. I mean, I got them. I got the offers because like I was a I was a strong student. Didn't click. I didn't get it. My professors were giving talks about housing bubbles and stuff, and I was like. I, I was like, my parents' house is fine. Like I, you know, I, I, I didn't make the connection of like how it's interesting, like in hindsight to like live through that um, as somebody, especially who was studying economics, wanted to be in a, right. I wanted to be a business, a business student. I was getting an MBA. I have no recollection of what was going on. Uh, like yeah. I was not unemployed. I had a job. Uh, my friends were not unemployed. Like there, I I didn't see the big unemployment rates. Um, I worked as a waiter, um, which if you think about, especially during a recession, right? Like uh, dining out is something that's going to drop really fast. Um, you're going to cut back yeah. on dining out. I didn't see that in my job. I like, and and Houston was much more protected than other places. So I should say part of that is Houston. Houston did much better during the Great Recession than a lot of other places. But you know, I didn't I didn't feel like my friends were losing their jobs. I didn't feel like my income was going down from serving. Um, I didn't know anybody who lost their house. Like all of my friends and family, like yeah. I never saw it. And so it's one of those, I think like five years out, like once I'm in grad school and I'm like seeing all the data about what had happened, I'm like, I completely missed it. I yeah, yeah. like the recession essentially didn't happen in my little bubble, um, which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I knew what was happening. I, I was at the job. It was, you know, a professor job. I was tenure track at the time, but it wasn't. Every seminar speaker is coming through is talking about housing markets. Yeah, yeah. I remembered that so, during grad school, like every single job market. Everybody was talking about it. Was housing but, markets. But no, so it was, um, no, it was interesting times, you know, mm -hmm. hearing about all that and, um, or watching, watching it all happen. So, so what, um, we have a special piece of scholarship, I know, that uh, Jadrian's going to highlight today yes. that's related to our topic of movies. And it is uh, it is one of our former, our one and only former guests yeah, uh, yeah, as a yeah. co-author on it. <laughs> we talked about how great that was, and then we haven't had anybody else uh, on. So Yeah, but we've got special stuff coming up. So we've got special stuff coming up. So you, you, might, you might hear some other voices uh, soon. So way back, uh, many moons ago, in 2016, uh, some friends of ours, Dirk Patir, Brian O'Rourke, who of you have heard previously on this show, uh, and Kim Holder went out and surveyed a bunch of economists. So this is actually where I got the inspiration from the book part. So I was glad that we kind of teamed these together uh, in back-to-back -back episodes. They went out and surveyed 105 educators about what their top movies are to teach economics. They compile everyone's answers. Uh, they do it, if I remember correctly, so I don't want to mess this up too much, um, what they did was they basically did it sort of like the, uh, the Heisman. So like if you put whatever your number one choice was, you got more points than your number sure, 10 sure. points. So that's how they came up with the point system. 
And then they compiled it all together and they published an article called The 10 Greatest Films for Teaching Economics. It is published in The American Economist back in 2016. So they have actually the entire list. So I'll, we'll go through the top 10. And then uh, if you are curious, uh, they do have an entire list and I'm scrolling down to see it uh, tied for 50, but basically like half the list is tied, more than half the list is tied for 50. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Like there's, it's a, it's a lot. Um, so it's right. It's every sort of, I'll say random parts. And I think as an educator, one of the fun parts of this actually is to see a movie and maybe Matt, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do that to you. I'll give you a couple of these movies and you tell me how you think you could teach economics with it. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Cause there's a lot of the there. list. Yeah. So the top, let me give you the top 10 uh, yep, for yep, our yep. listeners. Uh, so I scroll back up. It's all in different spots. Number one, it's a wonderful life. 1946 yeah. um, had 13, 13 of the voters put it as number one. Um, it's a wonderful life. Fantastic movie about bank runs. Unfortunately, we saw that earlier this year. Uh, so I think it's a wonderful life came back for a lot of people. Yep. Yep. Uh, number number two, very close, uh, right behind is one we've talked about before, A Beautiful Mind, the story of John Nash um, and just his life. Uh, number three, Moneyball. So I got the number yeah. three pick. I picked an easy one. Uh, number, <laughs> I would have picked It's a Wonderful Life, but it's been so long since I've seen it. And I'm not yeah, a macro yeah. person. So it's, I, I would, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about it. Um, so the, the one that got actually, you know, I messed this up as I was reading their table, I read absolute votes. That wasn't a correct way to read absolute votes just means, was it in their list? The oh, okay. movie that got the most first place votes actually had yeah. five first place votes is wall street, 1987. Oh, okay. I've never seen it. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it was, um, it was an interesting on, I mean, there's some corporate takeover stuff mm -hmm. in there and that's got the famous greed is good. Okay. Uh, greed is good speech by Gordon Gecko. Uh, but it's been literally probably, <laughs> I bet it's been over 20 years since I've seen it. I, I mean, should I, watch it. Again. I've, it I've never good. seen it, right? Maybe we should, maybe that should be a, maybe yeah. for our high school teacher, maybe they should have a movie theme and just watch each one. Um, yeah. Trading Places, number five, 1983. Oh, fantastic. You've seen that one, right? No, I don't, oh, I don't think so. So, I, so that's where I think the age difference makes a little bit like when I would be, you know, 10 or 11 oh. or 12 and renting movies, right? Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. out and fantastic. I, um, I have seen it, but it has, like you said, yeah. it's, it's maybe been 15, 20 years but ago. Speaking of, you know, the big short, this is one that talked about, you know, options trading in commodities markets and they don't explain it all that well but the mm -hmm. idea how you could short um you know how you could bet on whether something would go up or down in value significantly was was pretty interesting there uh those of you with kids you can watch the lorax that comes in at number seven uh so i think and they I talk about seen that. i think they use it to talk about environmental economics so i should actually say these oh, top yeah, 10 yeah. lists um Dirk, Brian, and Kim also give a little summary of each one to talk about like what's the connection and stuff like that. So don't feel like you have to also watch it uh, to catch yep. it. Uh, tied for number seven, the Lorax. And then the other one is Hudsucker Proxy, uh, which has the great story of the hula hoop uh, and selling the hula hoop, which I've never seen the I, movie. I just know that scene. 
I know the clip. I've actually shown the clip in class without seeing the movie because I think that clip is fantastic in terms of demand increasing and decreasing. Uh, For those who watch, we can try to link to the clip on here for those watching or in the show notes. But the, um, I mean, the hula hoop, you literally see them changing the sticker prices on Mm -hmm. the window uh, in terms of when the demand falls and then when the demand increases. Uh, number nine, Castaway. Okay. So living alone on an island, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got the, uh, so those of you who, you may do this in your early days of teaching principles, uh, the Robinson Crusoe. Caruso, yeah. Uh, you know, if you had to live alone, absolute advantage, you know, wouldn't it be better if you had uh, somebody there to help you, comparative advantage type story. Trade with. Um, and then number 10, Big Short was not on here because it's after. So uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. So you were close on okay. the similar. I think those are very, very similar um, stories. I will, I'll, I'll, I'm going to quiz you on a couple of these later. Um, I will say I'm going to throw out one of ones that I really like just as a brief recommendation, the informant, super fascinating, great book, also book turned movie. Um, it is a story of collusion in the, oh man, it's some sort of weird Japanese it's a Japanese American collusion over a chemical. Um, do you remember? What yeah, the yeah. Is? It's a famous chemical. I want to say yeah, it was, I don't remember the chemical. Was it ADP or what ADP? Was yeah, ADM. ADM is yeah. the company. Archer Daniels Midland. Archer Daniels Midland, yeah. I believe, was the company. Um, Matt Damon. It was yeah, really interesting movie and a little bit on collusion in there and lysine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you learn a lot about lysine. Yeah. It's a good movie. That's I would throw that out there as like a, you know, that was one of my close ones. Um, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's a really good movie. Do you have yeah. any like a last minute, you know, if, if people didn't like Michael Lewis? Okay, Matt, I'm going to pick. Yeah. Uh, so we have just a couple minutes and yep, then we, yep. can, we can share our pop culture. I'm going to throw a couple of these out here. I will say Star Wars is on here. Tied for 50 yeah. with 30 other movies that are tied for 50. I mean, we have the economics of Star Wars site that has a whole host of clips from all of the different episodes or all of the different movies. West Side Story is down here. Um, Okay. I would like you to tell me how you can use... Oh, they spelled that wrong. Um, There's Hot Tub Time Machine on here. I think people were just picking clips from some of these. There's no way that they... I'm sure. The whole movie. Toy Story. Mm -hmm. Toy Story is tied. It's also tied for 50. So I'm guessing these are people that got like one, one person put Toy Story down. I've never thought about how to use economics and Toy Story. I mean, you could stretch. And when you've written a book, you wrote a book on um, Parks and Rec. And I've done Broadway and Econ. And yeah, there's, there's a, there's a fine line on like, how far do I stretch any song? Mm -hmm. Like I, when I picked a song, I mean, I'm like, yeah, you could stretch anything. Okay, they say these two words. That's like, preferences. No, you, yeah. Um, that's what, that goes back to what we said earlier, right? It's very, I can pick almost any principles concept. Demand shifts, yeah. preferences, trade-offs, marginal analysis, right? I can pick yeah. those easy. You do. So off the top of my head, I mean, I could come up with stuff, right? Like there's the value of, you could come up with a value, value or preference stuff or, you know, my first thought was trade-offs. I was going with trade-offs, right? Because it's you know, Andy's got to play with toys. He's got to figure out which toy he wants to play with at any moment. Playing with one toy means you can't play with another toy. 
maybe you got some opportunity costs there, right? So some of the toys are left behind. They have a low opportunity cost. I don't know. That's the best I'm coming up with though. Yeah. Going to the arcade and, um, you know, putting money in the machines and which video games do you play? And, you know, once again, yeah, trade-offs preferences, maybe there's some working together and comparative advantage stuff, right? I think it's, Anything I come up with is a pretty big stretch. Let's put this out to listeners and viewers out there. If you've got a toy, if you are using Toy Story in your classroom, uh, maybe maybe it's a clip. I don't even think I have a. Yeah. Well, I'd love to do. I'd love to hear about it from our viewers. Yeah, I have like six hundred videos on this website. I don't think I have a Toy Story clip. I don't. I'd love to hear it. If you are a listener or a viewer on YouTube, please in the comments or email us or on Substack, however you need to contact us, please contact us and tell us how you are using Toy Story. And we're not, we, I want to be careful. We're not saying this because like we think it's dumb. We want to know. We like genuinely, I would want, to, I want to use it. Everybody today, to be able to st- everybody today still knows and loves Toy Story. I love so Toy if Story. You, if, if a good clip from Toy Story, which, you could tell us what the clip is mm-hmm. and we could, we I'll can do it. the clip. Yep. We could create the clip. That could be a real good contribution. So please let us know. Yes, please. Um, pop culture. You want to go first? You want me to go first? You can go first and okay. then I'll try to figure out what to talk about. Okay. So you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about the big short, and this is perfect. It imme- yeah. my, my mind immediately flashed to this, of this idea of predicting the future. Um, this is a commercial that came out in 2012, right? So shortly after the Great Recession, which I think is complete, very well-timed. Um, I, actually, you know what I'm gonna say? I don't think this is on my website either, which means I need to get this on my website. Um, Ally Bank did a commercial very short, like I don't even think it was 30 seconds. It feels like it was shorter than that. Um, but they are basically sitting on a stage. Um, there's a man in a chair. Uh, that man is Nobel Prize winner, Thomas Sargent. Uh, who is famous in financial macro space, stuff like that. So he's sitting on the chair, just waiting. A moderator comes out and basically says, we have Nobel prize winning Thomas Sargent um, here with us today. Mr. Dr. Sargent, can you tell us um, if what CD rates are going to be like in the next two years, right? So it's a bank, you know, trying to predict the future. And he just sort of turns his head and goes, no. And that's the end. And the lights come down. (laughs) Uh, and then the rest of it is basically like, if Nobel Prize winning economist Tar- Thomas Sargent can't tell you what CD rates are going to be in two years, you'll need an ally. Ally Bank has raise your rate CD. So they're right, they're selling a product. Um, but it's a great sort of like, what I would say is a true economic answer. This goes back to what Matt said earlier. Often you, you get famous for making bold predictions, especially ones that are negative, right? Like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to have another housing bubble. Yeah, yeah. And if you're wrong, everyone forgets that you said it, right? You probably don't remember the person who said we're in the middle of a housing bubble. Um, you can still be famous and nobody really cares. Um, if you said something like this, if you're like, no, I don't I don't know what's going on. Nobody's going to remember you. You're not going to get invited to stuff. So I really like that commercial as like a really great opportunity to say like, it's fine. You, like we don't know. Yeah. It's, it's perfectly okay. Why they have a raise your rate CD. Tonight, our guest, Thomas Sargent. Nobel laureate in economics and one of the most cited economists in the world, Professor Sargent, can you tell me what CD rates will be in two years? No. If he can't, no one can. That's why Ally has a raise your rate CD. Ally Bank. Your money needs an ally. But it's a great, great little clip to talk about that. 
Yeah. I'll go, I'll go, we, since we spoke about Star Wars a little bit, uh, I'll go with a clip from The Mandalorian, which isn't a movie, I guess, but the Star Wars series. Um, and we talked a little bit about how Moneyball and there's an aspect of discrimination, but there's a scene, and this is on economics of Star Wars, and we can link to it. But um, Mando does not want a droid driver. So he is actually discriminating against droids and is essentially willing to pay a premium to get poor service um, in order to be with a non-droid driver. You've, you've used this clip before. This ah. is not a new clip. You've used this one. What? I'm, re- I'm remembering this. Yeah. We talked, we did a discrimination. Uh, yeah. Channel. Okay. Um, yeah, to go back to his notes. So I've got to come up with a different one from Star Wars. This is crazy. Um, so I, as you were describing, I was like, this sounds so familiar. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if I heard this before no, that, from me, from me, you have heard so. this on our part on our podcast. Um, yeah. So and we I talked about it when you, the... we'll flash back as you, as you search, I'll just fill in some time for you. Uh, we'll, we we'll, talked about we'll this do that in there. back in episode number 11, when we talked about your favorite topic, discrimination, teach, poverty, inequality, and discrimination. Uh, so I'll summarize. Matt's that was the clip. one there. Um, so. We'll we'll put that clip in, and then I'll, I'll I'll go to a simpler one, right? From from Star Wars. While we you know we can put that clip in the description too. But the uh, from the original, and this is from the movie. Uh, by the way, there's of course spoilers in uh, in this. If you haven't seen Star Wars yet, uh, for a couple you may want to stop right now. <laughs> but uh, in the in the opening one, Luke is not going to go to Alderaan because you know he's got his whole life on Tatooine. But then all of a sudden, his aunt and uncle are killed, and every you know once that happens, all of a sudden the the issue of the trade off like essentially this is a good example of what's the opportunity cost of leaving and what are the trade offs Luke faced, and kind of a tragic way to to have that happen. But there was the trade offs were far easier to swallow. The opportunity costs for Luke were far lower. Uh, and and wants to end up going and leaving with uh, Ben Kenobi, as he's called at the time, to go to go do his training. So, so simple one. We, you get you get two for the price of one and one repeat. So, <laughs> sorry, but they say sorry, I ruined it for you. And you got to teach. You got to mention something what, seven times before people Wait, learn it. So this is the second. I'll I'll try to see how many times I can work things in, and Jadrian won't remember. You're gonna say which ones he won't remember. Discrimination comes up or later, Mark. You're gonna go. You know, there's this great clip from the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. You know, the funny part is, is there's like three others on the website I could have used from <laughs> discrimination, and I just picked that one again. It's a, it's a good clip, I guess. It's a good so. clip. Hey, that, listen, uh, if Matt's gonna tell it to you twice, we've only done like 15 yeah. episodes. Um, that so, that clip is like 20% of Matt's recommendations. 20%. Well, I, 15%. It's 15% of your recommendations or something like that. That It's got to be a good clip, right? If you've already... It's a very good clip. Um, it's a very good clip. So. All right, Matt. Well, uh, enjoy college touring. Um, yeah, and enjoy yeah. baseball. And uh, I hope you had a delicious drink. I'm, I, I, I need more caffeine. As I'm close. I'm, I'm going slow. I only put... I put one ounce in. I'm, I'm not going yeah. too crazy. That's good. Uh, and That's then the good. future coffees will be regular coffees. So thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Reviews are valuable. It helps other people find the podcast. And until the next time, cheers. Cheers, Matt.